Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith and how the two come together in lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern alongside my co-host, Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church. Pastor, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. Yeah, that's hanging, good. Hanging, <laughs> hanging by a thread, to be quite honest with you, Pastor. But uh, we're moving forward. That's the key, right? That's all right. Yeah. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. So, you know, we've had a number of, uh, of former Major League pitchers on this show, and I thought it was time we get a, we get a former Major League catcher. You yeah. can tell you maybe you can talk uh, talk behind <laughs> some some of these pitchers. I'll tell you this: I don't know if he can still you know if he can still throw it or not, but he ain't throwing me out. I'll tell you that. I mean, you kind of you, you, you can take a lead on yeah. first base and he yeah. won't throw you out. <laughs> Man, he could have a cup of coffee and still throw me out. Our <laughs> special guest today's show: former major league catcher and third baseman, and right now he's the manager for the Princeton Race. He is Danny Schaefer. Danny, how are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, Danny, yeah. before we get going, i got to tell you something. There's a young man that I coached in AAU basketball here in the Milwaukee area. He was drafted by, by the Rays, uh, left-handed pitcher by the name of Kevin James. And uh, he played, I think, for the Princeton Rays not that long ago, maybe three or four years ago. And did you remember him? No, he he was there just before I came. I was with the Houston organization for six years before I got to Tampa Bay, so we missed each other by a year. Okay, he uh, I coached him in AAU basketball. Very good friends with his mom and dad. He's at DePaul University, going back to school right now. And and uh, I had him in studio when when he was uh, drafted by the Rays. Had him. Had him sign a cap for me. I don't know if that how much money that cap's worth <laughs> nowadays, but what a great kid. He had some arm problems, but six four left, he could throw it a little bit and uh was excited to be part of the Rays organization. And I know that uh that he had played for Princeton for for I think one year and uh, really enjoyed his time with the Princeton Rays. Uh that's a that's a really cool place to be right now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean we we've got an organization that uh we do things on the cutting edge, and, and I've been with some, some organizations like the Cardinals uh, for a long time and the Astros, and, and I saw the rebuilding process of those both, both of those organizations, and right now they're pretty successful. So we hope the, 
that we follow suit in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I've got a brother that lives down in Clearwater, and uh, anytime I go down there, he's a big baseball guy. He's probably 60, 62 years old. He's still playing in three three different leagues. He's catching. He plays in the 55 and over, 35 and over, and 45 and over. And I said to him, can you still throw anybody out? He said, yeah. The problem is they're not as fast as they used to be, but he's still playing a ton of baseball, and his knees are holding up. And there are times that he's catching, you know, 10, 12 innings in a day. So good for him. I'm not sure he's very bright doing that right now. Um, More power to him, I guess. Hey, hey, Danny, where are the Princeton Rays located? Uh, it's a small town in southern West Virginia, and uh, okay. it's in the Appalachian League, and um, really good entry-level league for professional baseball. And, uh, you know, the, it's got a lot of good attributes. It's a small town, USA, but it's also really good travel, so it's, it's a good introduction. Hey, does the town really uh, jump on board there with the team? Always could be better. There are towns that uh, support their clubs a little bit better. And, and you know, in this day and age, it, it you can take a family out to, to a major league game or an NFL game, or, and you can spend half a fortune. And to come and see a minor league baseball game is really inexpensive, and it's a lot of fun. So, you know, hopefully we'll get a better fan base than we've had. You know, my favorite story with, with Kevin, he got drafted and, and he signed, and, and he got a, a nice signing bonus. And, and I went down to visit my brother down in Florida that year, and Kevin was over in Fort Myers. I drove over to Fort Myers and and took him to lunch, and and uh, the the bill came. <laughs> and I looked at him, and he goes, "Coach, I don't have any money." I mean, I said, "Wait a second, I just read." He said, "No, I, I'm putting that, all that money away." I said, "Man, I'm just kidding, Kevin. I'll pick up lunch for us." But it was uh, it's funny. I think he got tired of. Of uh, of the heat in Florida, you know everybody up here in Wisconsin is like, man, I want to go to Florida. I want to go to Florida. Well, he was in Florida like in July. That's not a great time to be no, in Florida. I'll no, tell you that. No, it's not. No, it's not. And uh, you know the, that story you told about being in a restaurant is is all too common with uh, with the money that the minor leaguers make nowadays. So if they can learn to budget themselves in the minor leagues and stretch a dollar when they get to the big leagues, it's going to be a piece of cake for them. Well, he must have known I was buying lunch because he ordered whatever the most expensive thing on the menu at Olive Garden. Steak, yeah. Yeah, I think he ordered something to go as well. No, I don't think he did. I'm just kidding. Hey, Danny, let's get your uh, your background, where you grew up, and, and uh, kind of your journey through, uh, through baseball. Um, I know you played college ball, but let's talk a little bit about where you grew up. I grew up in a little town called New Cumberland, Pennsylvania, and we were in central Pennsylvania, so a little suburb of Harrisburg, and hmm. and uh, baseball was the, the farthest thing from my mind when I was a kid until I was 10 years old, and, and finally got frustrated with some people on the playground teasing me because I wouldn't go out for their baseball team, and um, I finally did, and it was a pretty good move because it lasted a, a long time. Yeah, it's, um, it's still going. Yeah, it is. It is, and, and I remember going to my first practice, and um, my dad took me to the fire station and signed me up, and it took five dollars to do that. And my, how times have changed, huh? Yeah. yeah. Did with, you uh, oh. with that first practice? Uh, the coach said, "Where do you play?" And I said, "I don't know." And he said, "Where's your glove?" And I told him, "I don't have one." So they told me to go to left field, and I said, "Where's that?" And they pointed <laughs> way out to the corner of the diamond, and 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 uh, to make a long story short. A few minutes later, the third baseman got hit with a ground ball and, and uh, dropped his glove and started crying. And they said, hey, you, the new kid, 
do you want to play third? And I said, yeah, if I can use his glove. And so they let me use his glove. Catcher got hit with a foul tip, and he started crying, and, and they asked me if I wanted to catch, and I looked at him, and I said, no, not really. <laughs> and, and, and so, I mean, it's like I, it's as, I can see it like it was yesterday. And um, they said, well, try to catch if you want to play on this team. So I put the gear on, and, and uh, two years later we won the state championship and went on to play in the Eastern Regionals and, and uh, started a pretty good ride. Now, uh, did you ever go see the Barnstormers there in the? Where were they in the Lancaster area? Yeah, I heard about that, but no, I didn't. I didn't see that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quite uh, in that decade, but uh. I did see. Uh, I did hear about them. Um, you know, once I, I got to high school, you know, we, we went through high school, and, and our our senior senior season was um, it really interrupted with the, the the partial meltdown of Three Mile Island and. Oh yeah, in Pennsylvania, and, and so we had to evacuate, and um, you know, ended up going to Clemson University after that, and then, you know, it, uh, my pro ride started. I was drafted in 1981 in the first round by the Red Sox, and and uh, retired in about 18 years later. So it was a it was a fun ride. Hmm. Well, that that first round, being a first round pick with the Red Sox, uh, did you have a pretty good feeling coming out of Clemson that that you were going to be a first round pick somewhere? I had no idea. Wow. Uh, no, it's a little different now. I mean, now you have the perfect game rankings, and you have Baseball America, and you know you have the the cable news networks, the sports stations, and and everybody projects. And now it's televised. You know, I still have the Western Union Telegram that I received the next day after the draft. Wow. Uh, that's how I found out. Hmm. Well, look, I've been coaching high school basketball now for a while. And, you know, signing day, and, and you got kids that are, you know, are holding a press conference, and they're putting three Division three you know, state of Wisconsin hats out on the table. And they're, <laughs> I, I'm, t- I'm telling you, it's unbelievable to me that that some of the stuff that, that's going on, and, you know, the media, and I'm part of it, has caused a lot of this. And yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, both of my kids went on to play college baseball at the Masters college in california and one is still there actually one's on staff there now he's graduated Mm -hmm. um and and i remember them signing their their scholarship to go out there and there was no fanfare and actually there was no fanfare when i signed to go to clemson um i had to write a letter to clemson to ask the coach to come and watch me play (laughs) yeah uh, so it's changed. Yeah, out at the Masters, and you know, John MacArthur, who is president or chancellor or something out there, he 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 was a big baseball player. Yeah, his son actually played uh, some professional baseball, and and John goes to all the games, and yeah, and uh, very accessible out there, and, and and so it's a great atmosphere for my kids. That's that's awesome. We are talking with Danny Schaefer. He is the manager for the Princeton Rays. Uh, is that single A correct, Danny? It's uh, it's. Classified as uh, rookie ball. Rookie ball. Uh, the Princeton Rays, also former major league catcher, third baseman, first round draft pick for the Boston Red Sox. I was just going to ask, uh, Danny, I'm sure as a Clemson alumnus, you, you, you still keep up with some of the Clemson sports then? I do. Uh, I Actually, this year, especially, I'm not a front runner, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, but was, football, football did it this year, so. Yeah, that was a pretty special year for them. And, you know, they followed up on a, on a successful year from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to be honest with you, I haven't been back to Clemson except one time since I was drafted. And, and uh, But I do keep up with the sport. Mm-hmm. Wow. that's. Uh, did, did you enjoy your time at Clemson? I did. I did. It was. I was. 
when I first got there, I was an 18-year-old kid that, uh, um, normal 18-year-old kid. You know, I thought I knew everything and didn't, I didn't know anything. But um, I did make some good friends. Um, I think I had one of the, the, the best coaches in college baseball, uh, although, you know, I didn't appreciate him at the time. Um, I did more after I left. Hey, guys, we're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, we're going to talk to Danny about, you know, his his testimony, his walk. There's an article that I, that I, um, that I read doing some prep work for the show, and the line that, that Danny used was, baseball, uh, to me, was a means to an end. My passion is sharing the gospel around the world. And we're going to talk to him about that passion on the other side of this break. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people of sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, you covered me. Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern alongside Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church. Our special guest, Danny Schaefer, former Major League catcher and third baseman. He's the manager for the Princeton Rays. Hey, Danny, before we get into uh, your testimony and some of the things that we had talked about at the end of first segment, did, did you enjoy catching more than playing third base? Um. Well, if it was in the major leagues, I would have I would have enjoyed anything. But no, I, I love to catch. I caught most of my games were played behind the plate, and you know, and actually, I just did a, a speaking gig in California, at the ABCA, and got a chance to share that I I started every position in the major leagues except for shortstop. And of course, not pitching, but um, and so I, I had a I had a view from everywhere on the field, and you know. And in, in this order, I'd love to catch. I'd love to play third, and then my next one would be first base. But I just like to play. That's awesome. Hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, about your testimony. We when we talk to guys that that spent, especially guys that spent much time in the minor leagues, there's a lot of temptation when you're in minor leagues and baseball. You got a lot of time on your hands, and and you're in different cities all over the place. I, and I'm wondering, um, once we talk to you a little bit about, about your testimony, if we can also talk to you about being a manager, a Christian man, uh, for the Princeton Rays and the kind of message that you give to these kids that are on, on your team in rookie ball. Um, but let's start, if we can, with your testimony and, and where this uh, this journey began for you. Well, you know, actually, um, the only time I saw the inside of a church was on maybe Christmas and Easter when I was a kid growing up. and. You know, I, I was from a very strict strict family. You know, I knew the difference between right and wrong, but um, was never directed spiritually as a kid. And and I remember going to um, Clemson University, and, and, you know, I did everything that everybody else did in college at that time. And, and I went to a basketball game, uh, an Athletes in Action basketball game, at Little John Coliseum in Clemson, South Carolina. And that's the first time at halftime you know, that I ever heard the gospel presented where I could understand it. And, um, you know, and I sat and pondered on that for a while. And, you know, of course, they invited people to make decisions and, and so forth. And I ran the other way, but that's the first time I really heard the gospel. Um, you know, fast forward a, a year or two and, and ended up being drafted by the Boston Red Sox and, and went to a minor league town and, 
in uh, Elmira, New York, for my rookie year in the New York Penn League. And and I remember on Sundays um, there was a a contingent of players, you know, sometimes three, four, five, or six that would go in the dugout or in the stands or or somewhere a little private, a little out of the way place, and they would have uh, baseball chapel. And uh, you know, lo and behold, I started going because. Uh, I, I think many different reasons, but over the years I've concluded that the reason I went to baseball chapel at least the first three or four years was basically the same reason why a lot of people go to church nowadays. And you know, I felt real guilty about what I did Friday or Saturday night, so I thought a visit to chapel might take care of that. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then uh, another reason I went was uh, because I was really struggling in the game and, and uh, you know, the slumps came and I wasn't playing well, and I thought that was a four-leaf clover. So I went and to see if that would help, or I was playing very well and wanted it to continue. I didn't want to rock the boat, and so all three of those were the reasons I went to chapel. But over the over a course of five years, I kept hearing the same gospel message, crystal clear, and eventually started reading the Bible myself and started asking teammates some questions and and. Um, got to a point in my life where I was reading through the book of Matthew and, and, you know, still lost, still didn't know the Lord. And, and, uh, got to Matthew six thirty three and, and, you know, read the words that Jesus said about seek me first. And, and, um, and I'm thinking I'm seeking the wrong things. I'm seeking the major leagues. I'm seeking money and, and fame and, um, it's just not working. Uh, even though I was making the money by then in 1986. And, and I got to the point where I fully understood that I was the sinner and I was lost and that uh, I was not pleasing God with my life and, and that uh, I needed someone to redeem me, someone to take the punishment that I knew I had coming to me because I knew the kind of life I lived. And, and uh, one night in April of 1986, I got on my knees and, and and uh, never forget it. It was in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I was in AAA, and and uh, I just asked God to forgive me. And I started naming things off that I knew I did. I knew I forgot a lot of things, but uh, at that point in my life, I knew that uh, I was forgiven, and I knew that uh, Christ is who He says He is, and that He's uh, the Savior, and He was mine. And uh, that was April of 1986. And and I wish I could tell you that everything changed after that, but. The next day, nothing much, nothing really changed, uh, other than the fact that, um, the over a course of a couple of weeks, uh, people started entering my life that uh, I never had anything to do with before then, and the desires started to leave. Um, the desires for the things I used to do, the people I used to hang out with, and and uh, I could see that uh, by the middle of the summer of 1986 that I was a different human being, and, and uh, it was pretty exciting. Danny, that is a tremendous testimony. And I just for our listeners, you were talking about, you know, for five years you heard that same crystal clear gospel message. Mm-hmm. And just for our listeners, he shared what that crystal clear gospel message is, is that he recognized he was a sinner uh, like like Mike, myself, anyone who comes to Christ has to recognize their sinful condition that we're in need of a Savior, and Jesus Christ is that Savior who came, lived a perfect life, and then he put himself on the cross, died for us, and rose three days later. 
And the Bible says he's preparing a place for us in heaven, and he offers it to us as a free gift. And so I, I just want, if you're listening to this broadcast, that's the gospel message. That's not religion. It's not religion or a church or a denomination. It's it's only Jesus Christ. And so I, I appreciate you sharing uh, that with us, Danny, because... Uh, uh, you, you know, we. I, I think the latest figure I heard was there are 300,000 religions out there, and uh, all of them emphasizing, you know, something you gotta, you you, well, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, and when you come to Christianity, it's done. You know, when yeah. Jesus said it is finished, it is finished. You know, and he he uh, he accomplished that opportunity for man to come to him and come to the Lord, to come to his Father through him, and so. Thank you for that testimony, and I'm sure, uh, you know, as Mike mentioned on the before we went to the break, that that's your passion, and and we've had several guys on this program that that has been their passion. I, I Mike, I think of Don Beebe, you know, his his passion, you know, uh, even when we had Bobby Bowden on talking about, you know, I want to talk to these young guys, so. Um, we actually had a fellow on that played, uh, that was a guard for Clemson. He went to Palau with me uh, with a basketball missions trip by the name of Tanner Smith. I don't know. You probably didn't necessarily keep up with all the Clemson uh, sports at that point, but uh, Tanner is helping Mike uh, Mark Price right now with uh, helping him at what University of North Carolina at Charlotte, I believe. So right. uh, it's just great to have guys come on, share their testimony. And Danny, it's just refreshing. Man, I, you know. Uh, I'll tell you this about Mike. Mike is always sensitive about that gospel message, and when we get to hear it, it's just refreshing. And everyone has a journey th that begin with Jesus Christ, and as Mike and I have said before, it never gets old. It's always fresh. It's always new to, to hear how did God work, you know, what was that divine appointment in your life that he brought people into your life to bring you to Jesus. So thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, it's exciting to talk about. I mean, I... I... Some of the some of the people that entered my life uh, in the next month or two after after uh, I knew I was forgiven and, and I was a child of God are now some of my best friends and mm -hmm. and um, you know it's 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 exciting um, it's you know the journey the journey from Boston to where I've gotten today is 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 sometimes a blur but spiritually it's not because the only thing that really sticks out in my life over the past 25 years. Are, are the things that um, I've been able to do that that uh, would take me off the pedestal and 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 I would decrease and that, that Christ can be glorified and mm -hmm. and those are the things I boast about and, and uh, so you know we'll see what's next. We are talking with Danny Schaefer again. He's the manager for the Princeton Rays, rookie ball uh, for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, located in West Virginia. Former major league catcher and third baseman. Danny, were you married at the time? That that you accepted Jesus Christ? No, I wasn't. Uh, I was in uh, I was in AAA and and uh, just on, on the verge of breaking into the big leagues. And and um, you know I I knew the lady at the time who's now my wife, and we just had our 29th wedding anniversary four days ago. And, mm, congratulations. Uh, well, thank you. And and um, you know it's 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 strange, but you know God does some great things, and you know, and I don't pretend to. You know, to 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 say that you know everything that happens is is, is because we're obedient. But you know, I, I knew that uh, I knew that that when I made a decision that um, that that I needed forgiveness. And and when 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 I got saved, uh, you know, I, all of a sudden, about three weeks later, you know, 
this lady showed back up in my life and and uh you know we were married uh i think two years later so it it was it was it was great she's a she's a wonderful christian woman and and uh and she has to be to be married to me yeah <laughs> yeah man hey, hey jay welcome to that team pal yeah, yeah go, go ahead say it mike yeah you you all kicked your coverage the way pastor ken and i kicked out our coverage man in a big oh, yeah. way was she was she a believer uh yeah Okay, so she was a believer. Okay, that's great. Hey, one one quick question. You you talked about your coach at Clemson. Who who was your coach at Clemson? It was Bill. It was Bill Wilhelm. He passed away several years ago. Okay. Did you ever cross paths with uh, Bobby Richardson at all? Because he had, you know, I know for a while coached at South Carolina after he, his stint with the Yankees. I have. I can't say we're we're very well acquainted, but uh, but yes, I have. Yeah. Hey guys, so let's uh, we got to get to a break. Other side of the break, we'll continue our conversation with Danny Schaefer. Again, he is the manager for the Princeton Rays. He's a uh, he is a baseball guy. Uh, he's been in baseball since he was ten, and and he's going to stay there for a while. We'll continue our conversation with him on the other side. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio one hundred five seven FM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brain Balance of Mequon. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, alongside Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church. And Danny Schaefer is our special guest for this show, former Major League catcher, third baseman. He's now the manager for the Princeton Rays. Hey, Danny, let's talk a little bit about minor league baseball. And, and is it a difficult place to manage if, if you're outwardly a, a strong Christian man? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Um it's a this is a a small community of of people even though it's a big industry um i've been in the game so long and and i i i would think that that unless i'm being fooled um you know people know who i am they know what i stand for and uh you know i know satan's always out there but mm-hmm. uh, in in my industry i don't have any problem at all uh sharing my faith or uh, identifying with Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny, what would you say would be really one of the toughest aspects of managing? Um, good question. Um, well, I think it changes generation to generation. And um, My first year managing was in 1999, and I just stepped out of the major leagues, and I went back to manage rookie ball, where I'm at right now. And it was with a different organization, and, and um, the 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 baggage that kids bring nowadays is is so much different than it than it is mm-hmm. than it was 20 years ago. Uh, just the family has changed, technology has changed the world, and um, trying to get kids to to grow up and and be able to communicate on an adult level is one of the most difficult things about managing um, because this generation has had, uh, in my opinion, um, they've been spoon fed for a long time and never had to really have an original thought or do anything thrown into an environment with um, another culture. Most people, half the people don't speak English, and 
and uh, and so they, it's just a tough way to transition from high school or college to where everything is done for them to professional baseball where they have to do things on their own. And that's where I come in, where I'm, where I'm that little go-between to help them grow up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, coaching, uh, no matter what, what level, I mean, you're dealing with all kinds of things. Um, you know, I was out in Colorado for a period of time coaching at a public school, and I went and watched uh, the high school baseball team play. They're pretty good. And uh, they're playing a team. Uh, that was right up there with them, and uh, guy for their team. He, you know, they have a shot out to center field. He's going to try to score from first, and the third base coach, who's the head coach, is trying to hold him up. He just blew right by it and uh, got thrown out at the plate, and is walking back to the dugout. And the coach said, "Hey, man, what were you doing?" And I mean, that thing broke out into a fight. Yeah. I mean, fans. You know, the parents came onto the field. You know, and and our guys were just standing there like, "Wow." Well, well, I mean, this team is over there just duking it out, and and I thought, man, I bet in this day and age, you know, young guys will say, hey, I don't need to put, I don't, I don't need to sacrifice, but, you know, I, and I don't know if you have to deal with all of that or if they're getting paid, if that changes it. Well, um, you know, I, I'm so grateful for some of the coaching that's done at the high school level and the collegiate level to prepare guys to play for us, but in general. Um, we spend a lot of time deprogramming and 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 also reteaching, uh, you know, how to play the game. It's just a different culture going from going from a, a non-professional world to a professional world. Um, we've got to start from zero. We've got to we, our wins and losses do not matter. Uh, our our business is develop players, and um, of course we want to win every day. But if we mm-hmm. don't, it's not the end of the world. If we if we if we make a mistake and learn from it. Um, but, you know, the, the hardest part, to answer your question, the hardest part about managing is just, just trying, to, trying to adapt to the culture that changes so dramatically. And with technology, the way things are changing, the way social media has taken over the world, um, you have to learn to communicate with this young generation, and you have to learn to do it quickly because they don't have a lot of time. Well, and you know what's interesting for I've, again, I've coached basketball in a long time. These guys know by the time the game is over and we get to the locker room, they they know what they're averaging. They know who who you know who took ten shots and who took four shots. And I, it's 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 almost frustrating at times. This team I'm coaching this year, Danny, we're pretty good. We were fourteen and two, and and this is a school that hasn't had much success at all in basketball. And at times it's it's so frustrating. I I didn't I didn't go to school to become Doctor Phil, you know. I and I'm sure that that's if 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 you're dealing with kids that are just leaving, you know, high school, 18, 19 years old. Man, there are times that you got to just scratch your head and think, what is going through this kid's head? Well, you know, I do, and and you know, the, it, we don't even wait till after the game do we figure out these guys are on social media during the game and. <laughs> And so it, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a snowball going downhill that you can't stop, and we just got to learn to somehow weave into their lives. And um, you know, there's there's so much pressure for these kids nowadays because of social media and because of the the fast tra- the fast track world. And moms and dads know what they're doing in real time. Girlfriends know what they're doing in real time. Uh, their enemies know what they're doing in real time just because of the internet. And so. You know, my job is is more than just someone who makes out the lineup, even though that's the easiest part of my day. 
The hardest part of the day is dealing with the kids three hours before the game and three hours after the game. And, and so, you know, it's, it's been a learning experience for me year by year. We're talking to Danny Schaefer. He's the manager for the Princeton Rays rookie ball with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Also former major league catcher and third baseman. Danny, do you think rookie ball is, is, is where you're best suited to be for just the reasons that we had talked about? Well, good question. I, I managed every level in professional baseball, and I managed four years in AAA for the Cardinals in Memphis. I've coordinated, ran uh, entire systems for the, the, the Astros and, and for the Cardinals as far as the catching coordinator position. And, and But when it comes down to what takes the most hours, what takes the most hard work and patience, obviously it's being a rookie ball manager. And the, I'm I'm the first face they see in professional baseball. I'm the I'm the window they see through, and and uh, you know the impression they get uh, from me and my attitude and 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 my coaching staff. I mean that's going to last them a long time. I, I I look back at 1981, and I still vividly remember my rookie ball manager, and and, uh, and still having have contact with him today, and and so I can, you know, if I can be an influence on these kids in professional baseball, you know, I, I think the best place for me to be is right where I'm at. You know, I, I knew that things were changing. This was uh, this was a number of years ago. I worked for a sports marketing company, and I did a lot of things um, with the Timber Rattlers, which is a single-A team here up in, in Appleton. And uh-huh. they, they it was back then it was Seattle Mariners, um, their organization, and they drafted a 6'11 lefty out of a suburb of Michigan, and he was not a good kid. He was, you know, they thought they had the next Randy Johnson on on their hands, and he signed his deal with them. And then he graduated that night from high school, and he went out that night with his buddies and had a bunch of beers. And he broke back into the high school, and he made twenty one copies of his of his backside. Mm-hmm. And he put on there, and he signed, and he said, "Kiss my million dollar butt," and he put it on all his teachers' doors. So the next day when they came into school, that's what they came in to. Hmm. And I thought, I had a chance to meet this kid. I, I'm telling you, I, I don't know whatever happened to him. I know he didn't go very far, but he he literally, when you met him, you just thought, man, he's not a, he's just not a very good person. And they 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 paid him a boatload of money. And I don't again, I don't know how far he went, but you know that part of baseball in any professional sport. I think that's changed now. I think they've they've done a better job. I, I would hope of of finding out a lot about these kids. But last week, our guest said, "Look, they don't baseball management doesn't care about baseball chapel. They care if the kid can hit and throw and run and catch and and all of that. And baseball chapel just happens to be there. But these guys don't. They don't care." so much what the kid is they just want to know how good of a baseball player he is well uh you know as i as i look back and i have a different perspective um you know i i i think we do care and good um if if somebody is unbelievably talented um baseball has a system of checks and balances where there's going to be some that slip through but for the most part, kids are kids are going to be rescued before they get in trouble because of red flags that get thrown up, and it's 
it's due to it's due to the, the the great staff members that we have in the minor leagues, with regardless of what organization you're with, that can see things and, and stop things before they happen. Because if we see a train going that's going to get off the track, it doesn't mean if it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a superstar player. It could be the player that is the last on the list that's going to get released the next week. If we don't do our best to to to, to save that player. Uh, some headache and some heartache, and also an embarrassment to his family and himself. Then we're, we we're we're in the wrong business, and and so I'm I'm going to say on from my perspective, and I can only tell you from my perspective. You know, I, I've I've played for eight different organizations, and I've been in the game professionally 37 years, and I can't remember one time when I was in a room where somebody looked the other way just because somebody could play. Hmm. Boy, I'm so happy to hear that. Danny, thank you for saying that because uh, when this was brought up last week, I thought, boy, you know, I, then maybe I'm thinking differently because I, you know, you talk to Vince Noss and you talk to these guys that are are, are doing baseball chapel, and you know, they they said, look, we think we're making a, a, a good impact, we're we're making a difference, and I'm really glad to hear you say that, Pastor. Yeah. Hey, Danny, uh, I don't know who we had on, but we had a coach on who said, uh, he was a college coach, and he said, you learn to coach from the inside out, you know, and as a believer, uh, that would be the heart. I mean, what kind of opportunities do you have to talk to these guys about the Lord? And I would would hope that you've seen some that have really uh, come to know Christ and have made a you know, made a 180-degree turn there in their life. Oh, I have, and, and, and you know, quite frankly, I used the model that was done with me. You know, I, I, the, kid, the kids that were the biggest impact on me when I, was, when I was in the minor leagues were the kids that were consistent, and not only in their, in, in their off-the-field but on-the-field play, and, and, and they, were, they, were, uh, they, were, they were guys that, uh, that you know, didn't fall to temptation. They were guys that stayed, stayed true. Um, when I, when I manage guys, it's, everybody's different. You know, when everybody comes from a different, different background in, in, uh, in, in baseball. And, and so there's, there's, there's different ways to approach guys. But if I remain the same and, uh, you know, I, I admit that I'm human to these guys, they see my failures, you know, when, when, when I need to, I ask them for forgiveness for things that I've said, for things that I've done. Um, I admit my mistakes and and uh, and keep moving on. Um, when I don't hold things against them, um, and the next day, you know, the sun comes up and you're you know you're you're encouraging them again. You know, this is what makes a difference because these kids in in professional baseball, these this is the business that I'm in. When they know you care about them and not about what they did, then that's mm-hmm. when you can make an impact on their lives because then they then they realize you care about them as a person, not as a player. Boy, because we're not going to be awesome. players very long at all. And one thing that I do 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 try to do, and it's it's sometimes it's so difficult, but every kid that I manage, they have a dad and they're somebody's son and they're somebody so they have a mother and you know, regardless of their family situation, you know, they are somebody's son and how would I want my son to be treated by somebody? And so that's the kind of way I look at it. And I don't do everything perfect. You know, I've got a Ph.D. in sarcasm sometimes. <laughs> and, 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 and it's just the, the nature of the beast. But in the end, in the end, if, 
cares about them. Uh, I think I've done my job. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got to get to a break. Other side of the break, I'm going to ask Danny what what he thinks of bus rides. He's got to be so sick of getting on a bus. We'll talk to him about the travel park on the other side. Talking to Danny Schaefer, manager for the Princeton Race, also former Major League catcher, third baseman. He spent a lot of time in the St. Louis Cardinal organization. Brewer fans, don't hold that against him. I know you guys, nobody here is a big Cardinal fan, Danny. i got to be honest with you. But we'll uh, continue our conversation with him on the other side. This is Faith in the Zone. On Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Mike McGivern alongside Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church and Danny Schaefer. I'm telling you, we have a good time during the break when I I start talking smack to yeah. Schaefer about being a Cardinal guy and he's been with the Cardinals. And, and he said, look, I got a soft spot in my heart for Milwaukee. Hit my first home run. Not out of the, not out of just the field, the park. I hit it out of the stadium at County Stadium against Chris Basio. Danny, you know what? Man, I'm gonna have to cut this this interview short. I can't have anybody talking about my birds. So, did, so you hit one off of Basio that's still going, huh? I did, but you know, look, they ended up beating us that day. It was the third game of the season in 1987, and. And uh, I tied the game in the in the top of the seventh inning off Chris Basio, and it did. It left the whole stadium, and I was so excited. And the bottom of the bottom of the seventh came on, and and uh, a, a rookie catcher named B.J. Surhoff hit his first home run. That's awesome. And uh, so they beat us, uh, beat us thirteen to twelve, I believe. Hey, I got to believe if you if that was the third game of the series, so opening day. Big, mm-hmm. big, you know, people here in Milwaukee, it's like a national holiday. I mean, everybody right. takes off work. Half the people don't even go in the stadium. I mean, they're just there for the the, <laughs> the the whole party aspect. But it was cold. Did not have a roof on County Stadium. The right. cr- the crowd between the first game and the third game of that series had to be incredible. I mean, just it a whole was, different it animal. It was, and for the for the listeners in Milwaukee, the, the that field was full of Hall of Famers, and we had we had. Robin Yount and and Jim Rice and Wade Boggs and, and Paul Molitor and and Roger Clemens was on that team. There's just a lot of lot of lot of great players. Boy, I'll tell you that I loved watching Robin Yount play. He was yeah. uh, you know he was my age. We're the same age. So when he gets you know I couldn't find my socks at that age, and he's starting shortstop for the Milwaukee <laughs> Brewers. Kind of made me feel a little bad actually about my life, but loved watching him play. And that team was fun to watch. You know, with Molitor and Gantner and and Cooper and you know B.J. Surhoff and Moose Haas and Bozzi and all those guys. So it was uh, it was good. So you have good memories about Milwaukee then. I do. I love the Fister Hotel downtown. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Yeah, that they say that uh, that place is uh, there. There's it's it's old, and and there's a number of players that came out and said, "I think that place is haunted." Man, <laughs> there's a lot of sounds and noises going on at the Fister Hotel, but people are still staying there. Hey, uh, Danny, tell us a little bit. I mean, you got to be traveling quite a bit now, but not necessarily uh, in the air. It's more on the bus, right? Yeah. It's it's easy for me. It's, this is the Appalachian League is the farthest you know the farthest bus ride we have is three hours. It's oh that's not bad. I, I live I live an hour I live an hour from Princeton, so I'm home a lot. Um, the best to me it's the uh, best of both worlds. I get to come home any night I want and and you know spend the night with my family and and go back and manage a professional game the next day if I choose to. And uh, to me, the worst travel was in AAA in the Pacific Coast League. Um, when you're traveling from cities from Memphis, Nashville to Tacoma, Washington, oh, and everywhere in between, mm-hmm. boy, that that had to be tough. Hey, do you when you see a kid when you get a kid, um, you know, new that that you know they're they're telling you, look, this is a a can't miss kind of kid. Um, do you know early on? When when you see a, a young man that that how he carries himself, how he plays, that this has this is a kid who's got a chance to make it. Uh, yeah, two different ways, physically and emotionally. Um, but uh, very seldom do we go out. Do I'm I'm speaking for myself. I go out on a limb and say yes, it can't miss because there's too many variables. And and you know there are some that I've managed that I knew at age. 17 or 18 years old, they're going to be major league stars. And, and um, you know, and a lot of people gave up on these kids. And, and, and next thing you know, they're big league players. You know, it's just a, a sense you have when you play this game for such a long time and, and you see and you see people and there's just something inside of people other than talent that you know they're going to make it. So, yeah, there's been a bunch of those guys. Hey, Dan, I wish we had more time. We only have about three minutes. Do you remember the, the, the moment where they said to you, hey, uh, the, the, the big boys have called you up? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, I remember when I was in Boston when it happened, and, and uh, in 1987, my first year, uh, I was actually given a suitcase from the clubhouse manager, and that's kind of like a secret sign in baseball when you, you're given a team suitcase. And, and uh you know, and I bounced up and down for four or five years from the major leagues to the minor leagues and finally stuck in 1993 with the Colorado Rockies for the next six years hmm. uh, with the Rockies and the Cardinals. And, and uh, a coach walked up to me in the locker room in spring training, Ron Hassey, and said, how many people are in the clubhouse? And I looked around and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, count them. And I counted and I said, 24. And he said, count yourself. I said, 25. He goes, yeah, you're one of the 25. Congratulations. So, and and that's oh, the last ride that I had, and, and it, it's been fun. Um, I can tell you, there's so many highs and so many lows, and and uh, I don't I don't have any idea how anybody plays professional sports without a relationship with Christ, because there are so many things that are disappointing, and mm-hmm. uh, got to have something to hold on to. Besides your uh, home run at County Stadium, what what was the other big highlight in your life playing? I was able to. Uh, I left the Rockies in '94 and went to the Cardinals in '95, and I went back to Coors Field, and I got a chance to pinch hit in the top of the ninth inning, losing by two runs with the bases loaded, and I hit a grand slam oh, off my God. formal team, former team. I might have been at that game. You know, I was out in Denver for years. Uh, I went out to the Rockies games all the time, and so you were playing with the Cardinals. I was. Yeah. I was, and and the general manager for the Cardinals was in the booth with the Rockies. The 
the general manager that released me the year before, and so <laughs> it was a, it was a pleasant feeling. And you know what was so cool about that? The camaraderie in this game. When I circled first base with Galarraga and second base with yeah. Eric Young, yeah. Walt Weiss at short and yeah. Charlie Hayes at third, mm-hmm. and Joe Girardi behind the plate, yeah. every one of them congratulated me when I went past them. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. How do you not flip your bat and look up and imagine? I'm 100% Irish. I'd still be talking to that general manager. I'd be still, <laughs> I'd send, on the anniversary of that home run, I'd send him a text every year. Guys, we got to go. Danny Schaefer, uh, keep up the good work with these young men you're working with. Manager of the Princeton Rays, really appreciate your time today. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Danny. But yes, thanks, thanks for listening. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip for a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people of sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Was it really amazing grace? Now I know for certain, Lord, it was you that rescued me. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.